Well, good evening, folks. How y'all doing? Yeah. Right. You ready to talk about relationships and stuff? A little less enthusiasm, but guess what? We're still talking about it, so enjoy. Hey, if you guys are visitors here tonight, you literally pick the one and only time a year we don't have worship. I apologize. Uh, don't worry. In a few weeks, we will have a service that is all worship, so everything evens out. Everything balances. It's okay, but tonight, we're going to be doing our Chi Alpha annual relationship talk. Yes, it is a good, folks, trust me, it is a good thing. The Lord made relationships, okay? The Lord is a fan of relationships. I'm a fan of relationships. I found with my staff and my give years, when they get married, they seem to be happier. And so, if we can encourage that, I'm a big fan. But, it's got to be God's way and the way that he wants to set up relationships. And so, you know, next to accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who you decide to date and then marry is the most important decision in your life. It will make the most impact. It will impact who you are as a person. It will decide a lot of uh, where you go in your life. I think that's a safe bet. And I know some of you are probably sitting there like, Tom, I'm obviously not married. Well, no kidding. Okay. But I'm, I'm the type that uh, I like to get ahead of things a little bit. You know, 99.9% .9 of you in this room will be married someday. I know it's a crazy idea. And we like to plant seeds in you guys now so that you can have great, relationships and marriages later a lot of people they wait till they get into stuff and it's a well it's a nightmare if they don't oh bye honey I love you okay yeah all right <laughs> uh, and we do value all levels of relationship in this room okay we value whether you're single whether you're dating whether you're in marriage we want you guys to be healthy on every single level. We also believe that they kind of build off each other, too. Like, if you're not healthy as a single individual person, you aren't going to automatically get healthy by being in a relationship or getting married. That's just not how it works. And so we want to deal with some things that will help you get to that good place. And uh, we want you to come from a good Christian perspective. We want to talk to you about what to look for in a person to date. We want to talk about how to date correctly. And then eventually have a wonderful Christian marriage. Over the last couple weeks, you've heard me say that success in Chi Alpha isn't determined by what we do today. It's what our students become 20 years from now. And a big part of that is you may not be married today, but 20 years from now, there's a good chance you will be. Keep the hope, Angela. We pray every day, man. We are. We believe. Just smile. It's okay. But if, we, if you plant these seeds and they get in you deep and they take root, 
they're going to end up leading to godly relationships. We want you guys to have the good Christian marriages. We want you to raise godly children. We want you to be active in your churches. And we want you guys to set examples for other Christians. And so that's why we're going to talk about relationships tonight. We will talk about friendships all semester long. Whether it's guy, guy friendships, girl friendships, cross-gender relationships. We're going to talk a lot about that. This is the one night we dedicate to, well, romantic relationships. And so, just so you know, kind of where we set up our source of where we're going from. First and foremost, everything that we're going to talk about tonight is based on the Bible. This is not a trick question. Okay. The Bible. That is our source as Christians. I have a lot of opinions. We got good stuff. But if it's not from the word, it's not true. And specifically tonight, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. You know, in past years, Missy and I, we've had had a pretty good little talk that we'd get up here and do and pretty polished. And over the last few days, we felt like the Lord's like, mix it up a little bit. We're going we're gonna to walk through some stuff. And so over the last few days, Missy and I have had some pretty good conversations about the book of Ruth. And we're just going to kind of walk you through tonight some things that the Lord pointed out to us. I don't want to go on forever. You know, there are obviously going to be some points I could go deeper in. But we're not, I don't want to do that because I want to leave time at the end for question and answers. Well, I think the first screen that I saw, there is a text number at the top. And so as we go through tonight, if you have questions, you can text it to this. Is this an anonymous number? Completely anonymous number. So it will not pop up on Angela's phone who you are and stuff. So don't be afraid. And so if there are things that we cover and you're like, man, I got a little extra question about that. Type it down. We'll deal with it after. Missy and I will be the uh, married specialist on the panel. And then we've asked uh, our campus pastor at Columbia College in Stevens, uh, Elizabeth Campbell, to join us as the singles expert. And so we'll be able to help you out and stuff and go from there. And so... I'm not going to lie to you, the book of Ruth does not tell you when to become Facebook official. It doesn't tell you how long to wait until you call a girl after the first date. But the Bible has a lot of good principles for relationships throughout it. And they come with God's standards and his boundaries, and they help us to remain in his will. Uh, The second source tonight, us. We're old. That's cool. Okay? You're, you're older than me, so that's cool. We're seasoned. Maybe seasoned's a better word, way to say it. But, you know, I feel like, you know, in the, one of the you know, letters that Paul wrote, he kind of lays out all his credentials and all this and all that. He, here's the thing. We're successful in our marriage. I'm not saying we're perfect in our marriage, but our marriage is good. We love each other. We've been together, what, 17 years from now? That's a long time. You want what I have. 
I'm just telling you, you can't have this, okay? <laughs> this is mine. This has been taken, okay? You want what we have, though. We have a good marriage. We have someone, you know, we have a child that we're raising that loves the Lord. We have fruit in our lives. We are not getting a divorce. We've been through a lot of good times, definitely some bad times. And in the end, we're still standing. What we've learned, we want to pass on to you guys. And it's funny because dealing with college students, I love you all. And so there are times that you say stuff to us as like, as leaders and stuff that I should play poker because I don't react. There's just some things that you say are just some crazy stuff, folks. Okay, it's like, hmm, that's interesting. And inside I'm like, no, that's horrible. <laughs> what? No. But, you know, I, had, I think a couple years back we had one of our students that, uh, James and Kim Boley, they're at CMO now. They had just gotten married, and we had a student come up to James like, James, I just don't think you could give me advice on dating. And we're talking, he had been married like a whopping six months here and stuff. And he's like, why, why can't I give you advice? You just don't know where I'm at, man. You don't know what I'm going. We know where you're at. We know where you've been. We know where you're going because we're already there. And we love you. And we really do want you guys to be successful. And so I hope that you guys will kind of listen to us tonight as we talk to you. And uh, let's go ahead and get into it a little bit here. Uh, so let me give you the basic premise, kind of a snapshot of Ruth tonight. Obviously, we're not going to go verse by verse through the whole book of Ruth, which is only four bo books, and you probably should read because it's stellar, okay? Stellar. But um, you got Naomi. Let's say she's the, the patron of the family. They all go, there's a big famine in Israel, and at that point, Naomi's husband decides that we need to get out of here because we'd like to eat. And so they left the country and went to, uh, what, to Moab? And they hung out there for a few years. Along the way, Naomi's sons married two Moabite women. Let me stop right here really quickly. It's not in my notes. You need to understand, sometimes things that start in sin, God can turn around for good. Naomi's husband should have never taken their family from the land of Israel. You know, this was a during time before the kings when the judges were ruling. And here's the thing. God didn't take them out of Egypt just so and into the promised land just so they could leave when things got rough. I question, and I may be wrong, but I question how godly of a man Naomi's husband was. In turn, they went to this other country and, like I said, her sons married a couple women there. Once again, the Israelites, God made it very clear that they should only marry other Israelites. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. And so things didn't start off stellar here. And honestly, things got a little bit worse for her family. First her husband dies, and then several years later, both her sons die. 
And so she is a foreigner in a foreign land with two daughter-in-laws and doesn't have a whole lot going for her. And so one day she decides it's time to return home. And this is kind of where we're going to pick up the story. And we're going to look at some steps to having a refreshing relationship in our lives. And so let me flip open my Bible here. And so the first step to having a refreshing relationship is something that I talked about in the last, last week or two at services. You want to have a refreshing relationship? It starts with breaking generational curses in your life. If you weren't here, when I say generational curse, I'm not referring to some voodoo or some, you know, a curse that someone's placed on your family. We're talking about things and cycles that you have learned from maybe grandparents that aren't healthy, parents that have been passed on to you. You know, a lot of times we recognize it as abuse, you can, popular thing, alcoholism, things like that. And that God wants to break those things in your life. You need to understand, there's some of you, you're kind of like Ruth. You didn't grow up in the church. You didn't grow up around Jesus. Maybe you've come from a background that isn't necessarily the best background in the world. Your parents maybe have not always been the greatest example to you. And you live in fear that you're going to continue to do those same things and pass them on to your children. You don't have to. Okay? God wants to break those things. And so you look, Naomi and the girls were walking back to Israel. And finally she stops. She goes, she's like, hey, you guys go home. Go back to the things you know. Go find yourself a husband. Be happy. And at that point, they have a choice to make. And see, this is part of breaking generational curses. It starts by making a choice. The one daughter-in-law says, okay, I love you but I'm going home. I'm returning to the things that I've always done and the things I've always known. But Ruth, she makes a choice and says, no, I'm going forward. I'm not staying in what I've known. I am changing my life and I'm going to follow you. She does this. That's the first step in breaking those curses. And the second is trusting God. You know, I think with trusting the Lord, a lot of times, it's about do we really believe that God's standards and ways are best for us? You see, we live in a culture that it really does celebrate individuality, and the Bible tells us we're all unique creatures, and the problem is when we take being an individual and we begin to equate that we're the exception to every rule. I think there have been many times over the years I've sat down and I've talked to students and specifically I've talked to them about relationships and I've given them some advice and they kind of do the, hmm, that's good, Tom. That's nice. Maybe for someone else, but I'm unique. It's going to work out for me. Most of, most of what we're going to be talking about tonight are generally really, really good rules for relationships. 
I'm not saying every little bit is going to apply to you on every little thing, but most of it will. And you have to come with the attitude and say, hey, do I trust the people that have some expertise? Do I, more importantly, trust the Lord? And do I want to change some things in my life? And so, am I passing it over to you now? Sure. Okay. So, like Tom said, Ruth made a really great choice. Orpah, who was her sister, like, married to the other brother who died, she decides to go back to the cycle that she always knew. She decides to go back home or to stay. And Ruth decided to change her future. And I want to read Ruth 1, 16 and 17 because it's really powerful what Ruth says to Naomi when Naomi says, no, go back to your family. Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And I think that's a pretty powerful statement to make to someone who's your mother-in-law when it would be safe and comfortable just to go back home to your mom and dad. But Ruth, in that moment, made a decision to follow the Lord. And so when we're looking at this story of Ruth and Boaz um, that we're going to be introduced to here in a minute, they now can be equally yoked because she has stepped into the correct relationship with God. And so that gives us, where we're talking about relationships tonight, that gives us a moment to be able to talk about being equally yoked. And you guys have probably heard that phrase before, and so I just want to cover for a minute what we're talking about when we say that. Um, in 2 Corinthians 6.14, the word tells us, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can unrighteousness be a partner with wickedness, and how can light live with darkness? And so what we're saying is so we should never date outside the Christian realm. Way too many dangers. When we become a Christian, we become identified and unified with Christ. When we marry someone, we become unified with them, okay? And so the light can't be unified with the dark. There becomes an imbalance there. And so we also have a responsibility to our future children. And so if any of you know people who are married to people who aren't Christians, it can cause major problems within the home of how to raise a child when one loves God and one does not. And so... I don't think, though, that most Christians' biggest issue, most Bible-believing Christians, they know they shouldn't date a non-Christian. That's not what we're talking about. Um, those who do are either so desperate or they don't really want to follow all of God's teachings that you see dating outside of Christians. The real issue that we've seen in campus ministry over the last 15 years um, are good, solid, young, Christian young men and women who are going to justify dating a mediocre or a pseudo-Christian who's probably only a Christian in name because officially they're equally yoked by Jesus. They're not really doing anything for the Lord. They don't have fruit in their life. And so you can date a Christian and not be equally yoked. Did you guys know that? You can both love Jesus and not be equally yoked. Your passion and your pursuit and your heart for the Lord 
need to be the same. They need to be in line and going the same direction. And so if you have to come up with excuses for the other person's behavior, don't date them. Don't make excuses. You know, we get kind of tired of hearing things like they want to be involved, but they already have these other things that they have to do that night. Or we hear they want to pray more, but they're, they're still learning. They're still learning how to do that. You know, they're trying to read their Bible, but, man, they just they don't like to read. They don't like to read anything, so that's hard. Stop making excuses for other people just so that you can date them. The Lord tells us, you will know my disciples by what? Their fruit. And so that's what we need to look at tonight is the fruit to see if we're equally yoked. So let's let's start with breaking the generational curse. The rest of this doesn't happen. The rest of the story doesn't happen until... Ruth makes a decision that the, that the Lord is her God. None of, this, none of the rest of the story is going to exist without it starting there. And so we have that choice to make and put our trust in the Lord. Next thing that we see, the next step, is uh, refreshing relationships begin with refreshing friendships. You see, Ruth made the decision to not only become a follower of God, but she attached herself to a godly person. You know, there's a saying, who you surround yourself with, you become. Students, surround yourself with greatness. And I'm serious. When I look around this room, I see men and women who love the Lord, who can build each other up to be accountable and to strengthen each other. Surround yourself by greatness. But Tom, we're supposed to reach out. You are supposed to reach out to the lost. Jesus would go out every single day And then at the end of the day, he would come back with his disciples and spend time with them. And so she made the concentrated and intentional, you know, decision to be surrounded by someone that's refreshing. Pick refreshing friends in your life. Pick people who you know spend time in God's word. Pick people that you know spend time in prayer. Pick godly people to make sure that they're your friends. You want to be godly? Surround yourself with the godly. And that's what Ruth did. She didn't try to do it on her own. Let's say in you know, our context, she became a Christian. She didn't try to just do it on her own. She attached herself to someone that could mentor her and be a good example of who she should be. And so you see Naomi and Ruth, they return to Bethlehem, and they get back to town, and everyone's surprised to see Naomi. They spend some time there, and then one day Ruth goes to Naomi and says, hey, I'm going to go out in the fields and gather some leftover grain so that we can eat. That brings you to the next step in having a refreshing relationship. And this is always one of my favorite ones. Stop looking for the one and become the one. Stop looking for the one and become the one. What's the first thing Ruth does when she gets to her new town? Does she go try to find a new man to provide for, to, you know, take care of her? No, she doesn't. Ruth takes care of herself. 
think many times we fail to become the person that God wants us to be or that someone else would be looking for because we are so concentrated on finding the one in our life. You see, a lot of times we become the one for someone in our life in that intentional singleness with God. Intentional time focused on Jesus. And, and just let's clear it up. Is singleness a gift from God? Yes. Is singleness a gift that most of you want? No. Okay? And the vast majority of people in this room will not be single their whole life. But every person in this room will be called to a se season of singleness. A time where they are basically hanging out with the Lord, figuring out how to fall in love, fall in love with him, and focus on becoming the person God wants us to be. See, to have the kind of relationship God wants us to have, we first have to know who we are in him. For me, my, my story happened when I was 24. I was in grad school at Missouri State. I let's face it, was not serving the Lord. I was a very nominal Christian at best. I had dated someone for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. I don't remember anymore. I'm getting old, okay? We were engaged. I was definitely engaged to the wrong person. Um, found out she was cheating on me. That's always a fun time. I uh, broke it off with her. I do have a fun story how I got my ring back. It's awesome. <laughs> but honestly, it was the hardest experience in my life up to that point. But I also wouldn't change it for the world. And just in a moment of confession, let me just be honest with you, and hopefully you pick up what I'm saying here. If you date someone and they cheat with you, they will cheat on you. Not something I'm proud of. You ain't that special. And so after things didn't work out, I had time to come back to the Lord, realized my life was pretty horrible, and this is not how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And honestly, I'd spent most of my life one to in relationships up to that point. Being single was not a thing. I didn't get in deep relationships. I just dated a lot of people and stuff. I didn't like to be alone. And the Lord made it clear that, Tom, you need to be alone with me. Not by yourself, but with me. And so he called me to a period of singleness. Over the course of the year, I just spent a lot of time with him. I spent a lot of time with my parents, rebuilding my relationship with them that I had destroyed. And growing deeper in my relationship with God. Little did I know that I wasn't worried about finding the one, but God was making me the one for someone else because I was focused on him. At the end of that year, I met a beautiful young lady from Maine well, and the rest is history. 
let me encourage you. You may want to be in a relationship, but when you're single, be present in the moment so you don't miss out on what God has for you. Too many young people miss out on opportunities for spiritual growth, for maturing, because they are constantly hoping for, waiting for that person to come along that they can marry. Marriage is a good thing at the right time. As you've heard me say in messages, the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. Take advantage of the time that the Lord gives you. You want to handle this first part, honey? Sorry, I, I read part of her, you know, like I said, we rebuilt this thing, we did some different things. I kind of stole the, her whole section early on, and so why don't you do this first part, uh, the characteristics. Sure. <laughs> curveball. Curveball. I don't do well with curveballs. No, we're good. Um, so, yeah, looking in Chapter 2, um, we see a list of characteristics that we should be looking for in that special someone. And so if you look at Ruth, we see that she is faithful. And she always stayed by Naomi's side, and she took care of her no matter what. And so that is so important. Um, she was a Proverbs 31 woman. She was a hard worker and wasn't lazy. Like all of the things that you would read about in Proverbs 31, if you take a moment and do that, um, she was it. She had all of those qualities. And Tom and I actually have a theory. Um, you know, Solomon, who was in her bloodline, wrote, she would have been his great-great-grandmother, um, wrote and compiled a lot of the book of Proverbs. And so he would have known about Ruth, and I think if he read Proverbs 31, he would have been thinking of his great-great-grandma and all that he knew that she was and did and all that had been told to him about her. And so that she cared for the poor, that she was a hard worker, she was an honorable woman, um, she took care of the family and so much more. So that's just kind of like a sidebar Tom and Missy thought. Um, so we see also that Ruth is generous. She saves food from her lunch that she was given so that she can take it home and feed Naomi. Like, who does that, right, um, if you're hungry? Um, selflessness, it's a very beautiful thing, and it makes you want to do more for people. And so on Boaz's side of it, here's some things that we see. First of all, he was godly. The first thing that he would say to the workers in the field when he would go out is, the Lord be with you. Like, we see that he immediately is addressing the fact that the Lord is over his life. We also see that he's extremely generous. Boaz would have recognized that Ruth was a hard worker and that she's doing it to take care of her family. And in him, that would cause immediate respect for Ruth. And honestly, you can't have a relationship like this without respect. It doesn't work. Um, there has to be respect from the beginning. And he had that from the beginning for Ruth. Um, he told her, stay here. Don't go to other fields. Um, I'm going to watch over you so that the men don't take advantage of you or bother you. You can use my well any time that you're thirsty. He recognizes her selfless character. 
And we see that Ruth is humble when he tells her those things because she falls at his feet and thanks him um, for taking such good care of her. Thanks, honey. Sure. All right. <laughs> so these are some very important characteristics that you need to be looking for in a significant other. If they don't have these things, you better question whether you should be dating them, let alone marrying them. And so that brings us to the next thing that we see in Ruth. Refreshing relationships, they take time. Sometimes things don't happen overnight. If you look in the word, it tells us that Ruth gathered grain through the wheat harvest and then also through the barley harvest. I know that we read the word and sometimes we think it's like a five-minute story. This happened over months, okay? Ruth was allowed to be there. She's allowed to show who she was over an extended period of time. You see, time allows you to see a person for who they really are. Don't rush into relationships. Don't immediately become boyfriend, girlfriend. We're fans of, go ahead and date. Get to know each other. See a person for who they are. You see, she, Ruth, got to interact with Boaz for months. And he got to see who she was because of the time they spent together. Sometimes people can put a show on for a short period of time, but time always reveals the truth. I've seen people who they act good, but something seems fishy, and then you stay with them for enough months, and it's like, mm, you were putting on a show to entertain someone, to get someone to like you. And the problem is, when you jump into it too quickly and you get too emotionally involved, you stop seeing the truth. You can become emotionally compromised when you begin to you know, get too deep with someone. And it makes it difficult to seal truth. And so take your time. Let it develop and let it happen. Next step in having a refreshing relationship, listen to wisdom from your refreshing friends. Okay? Naomi is a wealth of wisdom. Naomi also wants the very, very best for her daughter-in-law, Ruth. You see, we see in the word that she is going out of her way to try to find Ruth a permanent home. She was looking out for her very best. And on the flip side of that coin, refreshing friends can also see red flags that many times we can't see because we're emotionally involved. Students, you got life groups, right? How many of you are in life group? That's a good number. I'm happy for you guys. Good. Hopefully, those are places where you have built friendships, built trust, and you've built accountability. Those are people that should be able to speak truth into your life and be able to point things out that maybe this isn't such a good idea. If you've shut yourself off to godly people in your life, and you shut yourself off to that godly wisdom, then there's probably something going on in your relationship that you don't want to hear. And so, with Naomi, 
she points out to Ruth that Boaz, he's a hard worker. He's going to be at his place working late into the night with the barley. Okay. This should go to both directions, but I'm going to direct this towards the ladies here, okay? Little bit of advice. Ladies, you don't have to marry rich. Just don't marry lazy. (laughs) I can't promise whoever you bury will be a multi-millionaire or anything like that. But what I can promise you is you will not go hungry if you're the person, the guy you marry, isn't lazy. I know it's a team effort. We work together. But I do believe that guys should rise up and do their part as a man in a home. And so don't settle for less. I see too many times, ladies, you, your expectations are kind of low, just honestly. And I don't think it's a bad thing with guys that you call us to a higher level of expectation. Guys are made to rise to the challenge. That's who we are. And if we struggle with that, maybe we need a little kick in the butt. It's cool. But marry someone like Boaz, that's a hard worker. So Boaz knows, going looking at Ruth, he knows and he has seen, because he's been watching her for a couple of months, she's been working in the fields, he sees what's on the inside, right? He sees that she's working hard, that she's diligent, um, that she's taking care of her family. He sees all of those things. So now we're in a place where Naomi is going to advise her to do some things. And, you know, to us it might seem a little bit weird, but let's be real, okay? Just real for a second. If you, every single day, you're out there, you're working in the fields like a dog from early morning to late at night, and she would clean the, you know, wheat and take care of it late into the evenings, you are grimy, you are nasty, you are filthy, you smell, you do not look your best, okay? And so what Naomi tells her to do is, girl, go take a bath, put on some perfume, and put on your best. Look good, okay? And so that's what she tells her to do. And so we're not saying that you have to, every moment of every single day, you know, look like a million bucks. We're not telling you to go spend a million bucks, But what we're saying is, look your best. Look like you care, especially if you're trying to, you know, show somebody that you're interested. Don't look like you just rolled out of bed every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, so wipe, take time to get the grime off, take a shower, maybe do something with your hair, maybe, you know, just do a little something. If you want to attract a higher quality person, you're going to have to look nice. You're going to have to do something yourself. I, if you look homeless, you're going to attract a homeless person. Right, right. That is Let, so true. Let's yes. just be honest. Yes. It's just, it's and, a reality. And this goes for both guys and girls that what you present a lot of times is what you're going to get. And so if you expect more, then I'm going to present a little bit more and expect him to put back a little bit more effort as well. 
Um, you know, I have a lot of mom friends now that they have children, and then they never get out of their yoga pants and have messy buns. Like, seriously, take some time and have effort. He's, you still married him, and you should still care for that person to take care of yourself. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and so um, with that, Naomi also advises Ruth on how to appeal to Boaz, how to go to him. Um, let's be real. Naomi's been married, right? She had a husband. She had sons. She's gotten a guy. She got hitched. And so she knows what speaks to a man's heart. She knows the ropes. Don't listen to people who don't know what they're talking about. And I'm going to give you a really funny example. We used to do this talk in the setting of a catalyst, so it was pretty like casual at the Chi Alpha House. And the Q&A part of it was, um, part of it was the girls would go, we would separate the guys and the girls. And so the females on staff or the married females would go into the guys' room and they could ask us whatever they wanted, okay? And so at that time, we didn't do it like writing it down or texting it. They just literally like asked the question. So someone goes, hey, like, what would you say would be a perfect first date? And they asked me that. So I go to say something, and this other guy goes, oh, no, 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 no. I know the answer to this. And we're just going to call him Sam, because that was his name. <laughs> um, and, and Sam decides to say, okay, so... You take her to dinner, and I'm like, okay, that's okay. I'm thinking in my head, because this guy, he's, he was his character. So he, I, I'm like, I didn't know what was coming. But he goes, you, you take her to dinner, and I go, okay. And he goes, and then it's so perfect. After dinner, you take her to the MKT trail and go for a walk at night. Because that would be romantic. And I'm like, time out. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> this is a first date, and you just said I'm about to kill you. <laughs> Wrong. And he proceeds to fight with me and argue with me. And I'm like, you know nothing. I've been married for 10 years. That's an awful idea. Stop talking. The rest of you guys do not listen to him or oh, ever take his Sam advice. Sam had never been on a date in his life. And he'd never so been on a date. So tell you that. Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> what do we see Ruth do? She listens to every piece of advice that was given to her, all the good advice. She goes to Boaz, she uncovers his feet, and she lays down. And he is so surprised when he wakes up and he finds a woman at his feet. Uh, what's going on? What's happening? And so it's dark, it's the middle of the night, and so he says, who are you? And she says, I am your servant Ruth, she replies. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. What does that even mean? Okay, so family redeemer, really fast and really brief, is that in that culture, if your husband died, um, your nearest his nearest relative would marry the woman, to provide a male child to carry on that man's legacy and all of that, okay? His estate and everything. His land would come with it. 
but now I'm, I would be like Tom's brother's wife. Okay, so <laughs> let's not use examples. So, <laughs> um, so that's kind of what, what, you know, you're my family redeemer is what she tells him. So then she's also said, spread the corner of your covering over me. So what are we talking about here? Well, culturally, in that time, when a guy, you know, wants to get married and he likes the girl, the way he goes, you know, will you marry me, was not that. He would take his garment and he would put it around her. And he would say, hey, I want you to be mine. I want to protect you. I want to take care of you. Pretty sweet, right? And so that was their way of saying, will you marry me? So basically what Ruth is saying to him is, you're the one that can redeem me through my family line, and I'd like you to do that. I'm interested. That's what she says. And so here's the truth, folks, is that you can have intimacy without having sex. There are people that bring a lot of weirdness to this portion of scripture, and it's not there. It's not justified. They are definitely having an intimate moment, okay? But they're not having sex. And sometimes God has an intimacy for us in our relationships, guy, girl, boyfriend, girlfriend, that we ruin by having sex outside of marriage. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes God has an intimacy for us in our relationships that we ruin it because we have sex outside of marriage. Okay, that brings us to the next step. Guys, and this one, I gave a little piece of to the girls of advice. This one's going to be a little bit more guy-oriented here in a second, but it goes both ways. You want a refreshing relationship, you need to recognize the best in your life when the best comes along. Boaz, he knows he's blessed. I... Uh, Scholars believe that Boaz was probably a bit older than Ruth. Um, honestly, he didn't seem to have a wife, so he might not have been the best-looking guy in the world. We're not sure. The Bible says that Boaz noticed that she could have gone after someone that was younger, but she wanted him. Boaz recognized that this is a good day. <laughs> Seriously. He's blessed with an eight. He might only be a two, but he's blessed with an eight. I had to get, there's a guy at my dad's church way back in the day that uh, Doug came to my dad's secretary and he's like, Peg, help me find a woman. Help me find a good godly woman. And you just have to know this this the secretary man she just she's gonna tell you straight she looks at him and goes Doug the problem is you're a two and you're looking for a ten maybe set your standard at one and you should be okay <laughs> she was harsh I'll be honest he never got married so <laughs> he enjoyed the gift of singleness his life okay Guys, guys, listen to me. Look at me, boys. If a beautiful, 
honorable, hardworking, godly woman comes into your life, close that deal. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Close that deal. This woman came along, and I got to see her. I got to learn about her. She was a hardworking, godly woman. I have experienced a lot of the other in my life. But I, we were a little bit older, obviously. But I knew what was good. I knew what was best. And I closed that deal. I closed it, well, quickly. Uh, <laughs> here's the asterisk of this talk, okay? Well, I generally believe that most people probably shouldn't get married till they're about 23, 24, because you're still growing and changing. Whatever, okay? That's more just a whatever. We were a little bit older. <laughs> I met my wife in September. We got married January 3rd, so... I closed that deal, quick. <laughs> I did not pass go. I got the ring on the finger. What do you know it's worked out? Because God's in charge. And so, you close the deal when it comes along. You don't let it hang out there forever. Boaz, he closed the deal. He told her, I'm gonna do whatever I got to do to make this thing happen like tomorrow. This is happening. And so there's nothing wrong with that. This is why I use a headset mic, because I don't know what to do with my hands half the time. So guys, someone good comes along, close the deal. Piece of advice for either gender, okay? If you want a refreshing relationship, Marry someone who also loves your family. Students, you don't just marry the person, you marry the whole family too. And let's be honest, there's some crazy families out there. But if you love that person, you are called to love the family too. See, before this woman ever loved me, she loved her family, and she cares about them. If you want your spouse to be happy, you got to love them too. That speaks to a person's heart. It speaks to what matters. And you see that with Boaz. He didn't just love Ruth. He loved Naomi. He didn't just say, forget you, I got the woman, this is good enough. He sent food home for her mother-in-law to show that he cared. So marry someone that loves your family, too. And once again, I'm going to jump back to the lady side of things. Specific piece of advice for you guys. Or gals, excuse me. If you want a refreshing relationship, be patient. Be patient. Naomi tells Ruth, be patient. The man won't rest until he has taken care of it today. And I say this from a dad's heart. Let a guy pursue you. 
there's nothing wrong with letting a guy know that you're interested, okay? Naomi didn't, or excuse me, Ruth didn't have a problem with that. But at that point, the ball is in the guy's court. And if he's really interested in you, and he's really worth your time, he's not going to let anything stop you, stop him, from getting to you. This is what I want for my daughter. This is what I want for Taylor. She deserves a guy to pursue her. She deserves a guy that loves her. And I say this is a spiritual father for you all. You deserve that too. Do not settle for anything less than God's best. And so that brings us to the final step in having a refreshing relationship. Marry someone who loves you more than anything else. Obviously, we're going to do the whole, yes, Jesus should be the thing that's most important. Yes, okay. Besides our Lord and Savior, marry someone who loves you more than anything else. Someone who truly loves you will value you when other people might not. You see, in the story, Boaz is not the closest relative. So he's not the closest redeemer. And so Boaz has to go to this other redeemer, his relative, and that guy gets the first choice. And Boaz leads out, you know, he's like, hey, Naomi's back, you know. Uh, you can redeem her land if you want. And the guy's like, sweet. I want the land. I want that. That works out for me. And then Boaz is like, but along with that, you have to marry Ruth. And the guy backs up really quick. He's like, whoa. If I do that, it might mess up my money. It might mess up my estate. I don't want to put that thing at risk. And so that closer redeemer releases that to Boaz. He valued things more than he valued Ruth. But to Boaz, nothing was more valuable than Ruth. In relationships, there will be times you have to sacrifice, things that each person will have to give up for each other. And unfortunately, I think we live in a world where a lot of people value their relationship less than other things. They put work and career and money ahead of the person they're married to. You want to know why people get divorced? It's that. They're valuing the wrong thing in their lives. Once again, don't settle for anything less than God's best. The only thing you should, you know, only thing you should allow yourself to be second to is Jesus. That's it. I love my daughter. I will do anything for her. I'm taking care of this first because I love her. And then my daughter. And we go from there. You see, Boaz, he didn't give a care about the land. 
It wasn't important to him. He had stuff. He loved Ruth. And so don't take a back seat, folks. I understand that people have careers. That's cool. But when it gets to the point where you're less valuable than the stuff in this world, there's a problem in your marriage and a problem in your relationship. And so that brings us to the result of a refreshing relationship, a refreshed life. You see, Ruth goes from nobody. She is outside the family of God. She is a widow and has nothing to being the wife of a wealthy man with an amazing marriage. She becomes a mother and the great-grandmother to one of the greatest kings of all time, King David. You see, I can't promise you that your children are going to be kings, okay? What I can tell you is that when you surrender to the Lord, when you follow in his steps, you will live the best life God has for you. You will have a refreshing life. You will have a refreshing relationship in your marriage. But that's, that's a choice that we each have to make. And so I believe that's what the Lord wants for all of us. And so that brings the basic teaching time to an end here. I'm going to have Elizabeth get up and come on up. And we're going to take some time. And we're going to have our own Oprah, Angela Jarvis, come on down. And she's going to play a little MC for us. And I'm hopefully we have some questions. And uh, if you have something, you can text it in. I guess if you want to be bold and you're not afraid of your questions, you can always raise your hand and stuff. We can go old school. But uh, Angela? There we go. Hi, guys. So I'm going to kind of just be um, asking the questions that you guys sent in. So please see the number up there. Um, you can still text them in. Again, it's completely anonymous. I have the contact linking part for this app turned off, so I do not know who's sending what. Um, so I'm going to start off with a very, whew, a very serious and deep question right off the bat. And it was actually the very first question that we got of the night. Tom and Missy, did you mean to match with the flannels tonight? <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah. Everybody says, aww. Okay, here's the thing. She chose my shirt, I chose her shirt. We happen to like the same style. There you go. So, yes. Okay. And it's cold, man. <laughs> And it's just flannels. Aw, aren't they cute? Okay, so uh, one that we got a lot about, and so I'm going to kind of lump all these questions into one. Um, can you kind of go over some good rules of thumb or boundaries when it comes to physical, rela uh, physical part of relationships? When is it probably okay to maybe kiss? Is making out before you're engaged? Like things like that, people are asking a lot of questions about setting the pace as far as the physical side of relationships. Okay, well, we're going to hand that off to our singles expert <laughs> who happens to be in a relationship. There you go. Elizabeth. Hey, cool. 
Um, I think you just have to be upfront and honest with each other about what those boundaries are. And so anything that's going to um, cause you to sin, either in thought or in action, um, you just have to know where your boundaries are, and whoever has the weaker of those boundaries wins out. And so this is a conversation that needs to happen early in a dating relationship. Um, but then I think a good rule of thumb is whatever the line is, take two steps back from it. Um, and obviously, like, have grace. If something happens, be honest with mentors. Like, be open about what's happening and be transparent in that. Um, but it's always good to make sure that your line is further back than it needs to be so that you don't cross a boundary. Um, so, I don't know, it just depends on who the person is, where that line is for everybody. S I don't know if you wanna add anything to that answer. You guys satisfied? More? Not more? Don't have sex, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, next question. Um, so we kind of got um, quite a few along this same line, too, and any of you can answer this. How do you stay pure in a long-term relationship if you've already done some of those physical things and crossed those boundaries? Both are Christians, but maybe weak in this area. Some pointers for those that maybe you have kind of crossed those lines. Um. If you're both really wanting to stay um, true to that and, like, really grow in your walk with Christ and you're really serious about your relationship with Jesus, then you need heavy accountability. And you need lots of communication and be really, really open and vulnerable with your mentors. Um, so if you mess up, if you, you know, confess. And Tom says this all the time that, like, um, it's better to um, confess than to get caught. And so, you know, sin's always going to find you out. You're always, it's always going to come to light. And so tell on yourself. Don't allow the, the sin to find you out. And so I think it's kind of like what Elizabeth said, too, that, like, if you, if it's been a problem, you know, whether it was together with that specific person it was a problem or you each had that issue in past relationships, um, you guys need to really set boundaries and then back them way, way up and be really clear and really um, intentional with with being, you know, accountable to that well, and, and honest with each other. I think you just have to make sure that if you know you struggle in an area, don't go there. I mean, we, we tempt fate so often. You know, it's like we do want to get to that proverbial line as close as possible. And if you know you're going to struggle, just stay away from it. But, but I, I can be strong enough called be smart enough and stay away from it I mean yeah sorry uh thank you to whoever just sent that last one in <laughs> somebody asked why I'm still single <laughs> so I love you whoever that is I don't know we have uh, been sending Angela to different conferences <laughs> to promote feed one but really it's just a ruse to get her a man so here's yeah. the thing there I mean multiple people are trying to set me up so who knows God's working Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, on that note, I'm going to follow it up with this question because I don't care. Um, so you guys talked about this season of singleness. I feel that. Um, tips for making it to be restored as a positive thing and maybe not seeing it as this negative, woe is me, I'm in a season of singleness thing. Yeah. 
So when Tom was called into that place with Jesus as a season of singleness, um, he didn't know it, but I was also called into that same place. And um, I had just come out of a long-term relationship and really felt God call me, it like set me apart. And he actually told me to fast and not food, but it was fasting um, anything that was not his word or worship music. And, like, that is really difficult. Like, no TV, no movies, no social media, no internet, nothing. Like, it was me and Jesus and that. And I'm like, okay, when does this, like, what, how long? And he was just like, I'll let you know. And, like, that was the prompting that I had. But I will tell you, it was the sweetest and most amazing time that I've ever had with the Lord. And I grew so, so much. I walked more than I'd ever walked. I, like, got super healthy. Um, there were just a lot of things that came out of that that God was able to speak to me through his word, um, speak to me during my quiet time of journaling. Like I filled journal after journal after journal of just me and God's conversation back and forth. And so, um, you know, I think sometimes we we think that it's, it, you know, it's this awful thing. But like I almost saw it as just, no, this is this is me and Jesus time like this does not include you. And so, and at that time when I, when I like set myself apart and said, okay, this is what I'm doing, guys started coming out of the woodwork to date me. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, but like I had had nothing for like the longest time. I broke it off with this guy, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then I said, okay, Jesus, it'll just be you and me. And like every time I turn around, someone was asking me to go get coffee or go do this. I'm like, for real? You know, and so, um, but it ended up being like an eight months of just me and the Lord like that. And so I cherish those moments because I was able to do more for the Lord and just be like there. Like he was like, okay, you need to go here and do this. And I would just do it. And um, it just brought lots of fruit. I think just watch your mindset too. Cause I have had periods of singleness where I was flirting with every guy that came my way and then periods of singleness <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> periods of singleness where I was not even open to anything because I was so just like, and it wasn't a good heart. It was a stubbornness and a bitterness about being single. Um, and so I think you just have to watch your mindset and watch your heart. And if you're using it as a time to grow close to the Lord, um, that's productive. And if you're not, then <laughs> you really need to take that to Jesus um, because you can't date and have a godly relationship that's built around him until you know who you are in him. Um, and you can't figure that out unless you take time to understand your relationship with Jesus. So. see people all the time oh I'm single I'm single but it's like really you spend like every day with that girl or guy for multiple hours and you go places and you buy them dinner it sure seems like you're dating but we can call it single if you want whatever you, makes you happy but yes if you're going to it actually do it how about that <laughs> um, this question is really a follow-up question for Missy um, how did you know to end that season of singleness or that it was supposed to end 
was it Tom coming into your life or was it something else? Um, it actually was Tom coming into my life. Um, and it took a lot of prayer to, because he emailed me. The, the We met through. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> yes. Okay. The early 2000s. <laughs> I will say she it was not mail. it was not his choice to email me. His niece and my sister like convinced him to do so. Okay, um, so he did, and but like I prayed over that and prayed over that, and I wrote an email back and deleted it, and wrote one and deleted it, and like really prayed because I was in that place, and I'm like God, I'm so content with you. Are you sure this is what I'm supposed to do? Because I don't want to screw this up. Like I want the very next person who comes into my life to be the guy that I spend the rest of my life with. So a lot rides on this email if I send it back, you know what I'm saying? So like, can we just be clear like what I'm supposed to do? And I just felt the green light that this is what, this is what I'm supposed to do. Awesome. Um, the next question that um, we have is what does flirting look like in a Christian's life? Flirting, flirting in a Christian's life. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make them aware that you're present, but keep it God-fearing? <laughs> I've seen a lot in the last few years, I'll say that much, man. Hey, you know, once again, there's nothing wrong with letting someone know that you like them, okay? It is cool. We're not saying, guess what? The Holy Spirit speaks to me, but I'm not a mind reader. Neither are you. So make it known, not in a weird, creepy way, you know, where you're like, you see in the movies where the scared guy runs up to a girl, I like you, and then walks away. <laughs> Just talk. Get to know each other. And also, at a certain point, you got to be honest. Once again, having some godly friends around you is a good idea because this happens more on the girl side of things. Y'all don't seem to realize when a guy likes you. A guy isn't always the greatest at making it obvious either. You know, we kind of kind of haunt you and wander around and stuff. <laughs> hey, how's it going? All right. <laughs> I like her. All right. Okay. But, you know, a guy, you know, he'll talk to you, he'll hang out with you, and I think a lot of times girls are like, oh, we're just friends and stuff. At some point, you need to be honest and be like, if your friends are telling you, well, I, no, he likes you, you need to not, like, well, don't lead a dude on if you're not interested. And vice versa, boys, do not lead a girl on. That's not right. But it's okay. Talk. Hang out. Don't go a ton of just personal. This is more of, as Paul, you know, this is just advice. Don't spend multiple hours just alone with someone. We do a lot of stuff as groups. We do a lot of co-eds things, game nights, fun times together. It's cool. Get to know someone in those environments. Trust me, I watch you guys at parties. Y'all flirt, okay? You don't have to worry about not flirting or flirting, okay? That, it happens a lot, okay? And that's, that's not a big deal. Just as long as you're not trying to get... Okay, a little sidetrack. A lot of times, guys and girls try to get emotional fixes by flirting with people. They don't actually want to be in relationships or anything. They just want to feel good and get their ego stroked. Not cool. It's okay to let someone know when you're interested. If you're interested, go date, get to know each other. After a while, 
as that relationship builds, get married, whatever. But don't use people. You see people physically use each other. And a lot, I think a lot of times, and it does go both ways, but guys, more general here when I say this, a lot of times guys like physical and they will take advantage of a girl physically. I've seen a lot of times, on the other hand, girls will take advantage emotionally of a guy to be fed, to have their ego stroked, to feel good about themselves. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Treat each other with respect. Honor them and love on them in a good way. <laughs> and if you're behaving in a way that only satisfies you, that's called selfishness. And so do things correctly. And guys like cookies, so bake cookies, flirt that way. There you go. Oh, you know you like cookies. Yes. Yeah, they're like, yes. So the way to a guy's heart is through his stomach. Amen. Okay. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I might have to try that out. Um, so the next question we have, um, you guys talked about generational curses. Um, advice for people that want to have a healthy marriage, but they come from a broken family. Surround yourself with people who have good marriages and watch and learn. Um, when I was in high school and then at the beginning of college, my parents didn't have the healthiest marriage, and that was most of my childhood. Um, and now God has redeemed and done so much in their marriage, and they're so much happier than they used to be. Um, but I think I've learned a lot about relationships and just, like, what to do or not to do. Um, you can learn what not to do from your parents, but it's always good to surround yourself with people who have good marriages. I've learned a lot from you guys. I've learned a lot from other couples that have been in my life and have allowed me to see like how their marriage functions to some degree. Um, and don't be afraid to ask questions too, because I think sometimes our definition of what's normal um, is the brokenness. And so if you see something that's good, ask how they got there. Like, Don't be afraid to um, dig into that a little bit deeper because it's always better to know <laughs> like how that foundation was built for whatever you see that is good um, especially if you're coming from a place of seeing a broken family so and do everything I said tonight there you go okay <laughs> um, a few we actually have a lot you guys are doing great about texting in these questions I'm like trying to go through all of them um, what are some of the red flags we should be on the lookout for you talked about red flags a little bit when looking for someone that you would want to potentially you know be in a relationship what are some red flags have something that we thought about earlier. And we, we pull a lot of notes not, and then we don't always use them, and so I'm trying to figure out. Where it went. I don't know. I can go ahead and ask another question that Elizabeth could answer while you guys are sure. looking. Okay, Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, 
What are some of the biggest mistakes people make in relationships that you see in others? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it was the first one on my list. Or maybe that you've seen, seen other people's biggest mistakes. Things to just be like, man, you shouldn't do that. I've stuck my foot in my mouth <laughs> many a time when talking about relationships, so I'm going to think long and hard before I answer. Um. <laughs> you guys are asking really, like, uh, questions. I think not challenging each other to grow closer to Jesus. Um, you don't want to just tolerate bad behavior. Uh, that sounds really funny. But you, you want to challenge each other to grow. Um, that's we sharpen each other. That's what relationships are meant for, is to help us grow closer to Christ and to understand his heart and his um, image that he's creating through us. And so um, I would say, like, make sure that, like, you're honest in communication and, like, are willing to be humble in challenging the other person or being challenged by them to grow more like Christ. That was a good answer. Um, good job. Don't be dumb with physical boundaries. Just... Yeah. God put that in the word, in scripture, for a very good reason. Like, be open and honest about where your boundaries are and have honest communication with mentors. Vulnerability there. Make sure that you guys are keeping those. Um, what are the silly things that people do? Oh, make sure you still have friendships outside of your relationships. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you guys like to add anything? I didn't even hear the question. We've been looking <laughs> What are some of the biggest mistakes or no-nos that you've seen people do in relationships? You did good, friend. Yeah. Woo! Good Sorry, so we found the stuff on brokenness. So, um, when when you're coming from a place of brokenness, a lot of time you find that people, um, you become takers. And so some things that you end up taking from the other person, um, one might be appearance. If you're not feeling good about how you look, your low self-esteem, um, the pretty girl makes me look and feel more like a man, and so I've got that um, person with me. And so they get their, or a girl gets her affirmation or her value from a guy. And so appearance can be there. Um, sometimes people come from a financially poor background. And so we look to date someone from a rich family that can take care of our needs. And so they want provision and security. Um, another thing, example of taking um, a broken family. So you end up looking for someone that you admire their life and their family life. And the example that we have for that is my brother dated a girl um, who was actually in our ministry, and she put off um, breaking up with him for a very long time. Um, not because she, like, she knew that she wasn't supposed to date him anymore, but she didn't want to give up our family and, like, the, the love and care that she felt from our family and the, the sisterhood that she felt from me. And so um, missing dads and moms, that you end up dating someone who fills, like, a, a parent role sometimes, even just that person you're dating. And... Um, that's not, that's something you're taking and it's not good. And then addictions, um, dominating all of our time, all of our emotions. And so those things can end up becoming idols 
um, in our life if we don't deal with areas of brokenness in our life. Um, and so the red flags that we were talking about, you, here's what we see, and you will have an idol issue if you can't leave your hands off of each other when you're in public. And so it's like marking your territory. Like you want everybody to know he's mine or she's mine, back off. Um, another thing is you have to be with each other constantly, um, and eventually we see that it leads to spending the night with each other. And you end up having no friends, like Elizabeth was talking about, because you blow everybody off to spend time with your idol. Um, you're always canceling you know, other friend dates to be with that person. And then control issues, no freedom. We've seen this where, um, who are you talking to? Where are you at? Who are you texting? Um, and then they're always wanting you to go home with them like for the weekend. Um, and so becoming the one that we were talking about earlier, um, you really have to submit that brokenness to the Lord. So if you're finding yourself in any of those things that I just talked about, submitting that to the Lord because there is hope in Jesus and you don't have to stay in that place. You know, you, the, like Tom talked about, the generational curse can be broken and you can walk in freedom and have an amazingly beautiful um, relationship. Keep going. Yeah. You the boss. Duck and weave, duck and weave. <laughs> okay, yeah, here we go. Um, who's sending me? Ah, ah, there we go. Okay, <laughs> this one you can ask at a later time, but Tom, just so you're aware, there are a lot of people texting in wanting to know how you got your ring back. <laughs> It is probably, oh, here we go. Ask and you shall receive. Okay, so once again, this is still like before I was really serving the Lord, so give me a little grace here. I, I had spent a good amount on that ring, and I wasn't going to let it leave without me. And so I had... Uh, I won't get into all the details, but I had found out she was cheating on me. And I found out, and, well, she didn't know that I knew. And so she had left town and came back, and we were talking, and the ring was a little bit loose. And so I was like, hey, baby, why don't you give me that ring? I'll get it sized for you so it fits perfectly, and it'll look beautiful on you. And, of course, she's like, sounds good. Here you go. And then two days later, I'm like, I know you're cheating on me. Thanks for my ring back. Peace. <laughs> you're not leaving with it. No, man. That's a contract. If you break it, it's mine. And so you do what you got to do to get your money back. There you go. Her, so, ring, her ring got repossessed. <laughs> I don't know if that's godly. I just did it. That's just more of the fact. That's so. just plain old wisdom. That, yeah. Take godly out of it. That's not yes. being dumb. Um <laughs> People keep asking about this ring. Um, so question for that a few people have asked. Um, if you haven't been in a relationship before, um, advice about how do you know or discover what those boundaries are or what your limits are if you've just never been in a relationship? Well, I mean, once again, wise counsel. Every person in here has a mentor 
or some life group leader or a discipler that can help you walk through those journey. Don't do it alone. If, let's say, your life group leader has never been in a relationship and they have no clue. Well, guess what? You got wonderful staff who most of them have been. And so, you know, we can help you out. You don't have to do it alone. But do it early. Don't wait till you're like 10 feet into the relationship and over your head and you're drowning. Talk to us before it gets real, okay? And then we can establish those things and help you. We're not here to tell you every little thing and what to do, but we can help help you know no tell you what not to do. How about that? Should you talk to your mentor or your one-on-one person before you even like consider going on the date? Absolutely. That actually was a question I was about to ask. It was I a follow-up t- question. And not once again, not to stop you, but this is if you're thinking this is a real thing. It's an important part of your life. Why would you c- talk to your mentors and your just, you know, life group leaders about other things? but not this important part of your life. And I say this because it's not just the students. I've had many leaders over the years all of a sudden start dating someone and they don't mention it and, hey, Tim, how you doing? Smiling back there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. (laughs) It it happens quite often. It's like, oh, what do you know? So we're dating. Well, that would have been a good thing to talk about in a one-on-one. You know, that's cool. But yes, (laughs) yes. It's all good. God, God redeems. It's cool. So, yeah. Speaking of God redeeming, um, this has been asked multiple times. So um, what if you date someone that's not a Christian and then they come to know Jesus? Advice for that. Um, I think, formulating thoughts, sorry. Just use wisdom. Like, Tom said this earlier, just because something started where it wasn't, like, it can be redeemed to be holy. Um, But also keep in mind that you would then be dating somebody who is still a very young Christian. And the yoke analogy is great because if you think about having, like, a bull tied together to, like, a really young calf, they're going to be pulling at different speeds. Um, And so I think patience is very, very important in that. And if they have the hunger and the trajectory that they can be growing, obviously, like, that's awesome. If they're growing in the Lord, encourage them in that. Um, But if it's, I don't know, what am I trying to say here? I I will say it is a heavy responsibility. Heavy. Because if you date someone and they get saved, their first idea of who Jesus is, is you. And so, for better or worse, you screw up, they're going to view Jesus in that way. And I've seen a lot of people in relationships that, that's just, that's tough. You know, that person should be focusing on the Lord. They should be, you know, their eyes up there, but they're looking to the closest person to them that is a Christian. And so, man, that's a heavy weight. I'm not saying break it off or anything, but you just have to be realistic that there's more than just you in this. And there's more than just you in a relationship and dating. This is someone's soul. There's a responsibility there that you have to take seriously. And it's we've had some bad examples over the years of people who have been in this ministry who... 
I'll just be honest. If they're not dating and someone gets saved and all of a sudden they want to date that person, most of the time I encourage them not to because that person's young in their faith. Say what? Let them grow. Let them get their roots deep with the Lord. And if it works, then it's going to be better long term. And I've seen people walk away from the Lord because uh, their significant other was a crappy example of Jesus to them. And I don't, I care more about people's eternal soul than I do other things. Awesome. Well, we're getting to probably the end of it. Um, just so that you guys know, um, life groups this week are about relationships, and we are going to have a Q&A time with that as well. So you can ask your staff, give your life group leaders these questions as well. Um, some of the questions that you're asking, I know, at least on the girls' side, that we're going to be hitting on some of these things. And so please know that if your question did not get asked, there was an overwhelming amount. Um, we want to answer these for you guys. Um, they want to answer them, the life group leaders, the staff. Um, because we want you guys to have healthy relationships so they will be answered in some way. Um, also, if you personally texted into this a question to Tom about the ring, I will just hand him the phone and let him respond back to you. Don't worry, there's more probably to the ring story. Um, and so, yeah, with that said, we hope you guys enjoyed this evening, this talk about relationships. Um, yeah, years down the road, we hope that you guys all have healthy and godly marriages, children, all that stuff. I will. I can pray that, of course, for myself and us all. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I thank you so, so much for every single person in this room. And God, I thank you that even before we were formed, that you had a plan and a purpose for our lives. And one of those plans and purposes was to have a healthy, godly relationship and marriage. And so, God, I pray over every single person in this room, no matter what stage they're at, maybe they're single, maybe they're dating, engaged, married, whatever, God, that you have what's best for them. And that above all else, that we are solely just putting our eyes to you and being that one person, um, Jesus. And so help us in whatever place that we're at in this, that we are looking to you. Um, and we just thank you and we praise you. Amen. With that said, go to Taco Bell. Uh, you don't necessarily have to eat it, but you should go and go have healthy relationships. <laughs> <laughs>